0: You started your business when you were twenty-one yep. and by twenty-five you were telling me earlier that you were doing a million a month with About you that, and your yeah. business partner. So nearly eight figures in three
1: years. What was that business also, and why did you get have, started? I also didn't have a business partner at that point. Just Oh didn't you that was all you yeah, no debt, no investors, no business partner. It was just a straight up
0: startup. Fantastic.
1: What was that business, and how did you get it? Uh, it was a marketing agency, effectively, um, specializing in a very niche type of marketing, which was what we called introduction events. So, introduction events was basically you take someone like a financial planner or, or a franchisor, and they want to be in front of an audience to promote what they do, mm-hmm. and we would just fill audiences week in, week out. Uh, for our clients, but rather than doing it for a fee we did it for a commission. So Mm -hmm. essentially the big breakthrough happened when I signed a deal with a a franchisor who was uh, scaling their franchise and they had a $60,000 franchise that they were selling. We recognized they had something great but they weren't very good at telling people about it or promoting it. So I negotiated a deal to get about $20,000 per franchise plus a fee to cover some of the costs, Mm -hmm. and we just blew this thing up. So we were running three to six events with about 100 to 300 people per event, signing up lots and lots of franchisees for them. Yeah, that basically blew up the business.
0: I used to have a big direct
1: sales force, so I had 40 salespeople
0: in the UK that would go out and sell boilers in the home. And um, we did very well in that sector from a sales point of view. And time with the customer was something that I really worked on. And I'd make the sales guy stay in the home for a minimum of an hour and a half. And I built this whole front end Mm. pitch out. So we had all the points of contact. But I used to watch every sales guy that would leave before the 60-minute mark would never get the deal in the home. Anybody that stayed an hour and a half, two hours, three hours, you'd see that they would be able to close the sale. And I think people really miss um, the time that needs to be spent up front to get that customer comfortable on that job.
1: That's that that silly insight, right? Mm -hmm. It's just it's so silly, Mm -hmm. right? It's so a customer should be able to have someone come on in, give them a quote. It either meets meets or it doesn't, and they should be able to make a decision. But people aren't logical. They're not like that. So you know that that insight of it takes an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. In medicine, there's something called a minimal effective dose, right? So if you don't take the minimum effective dose, the medicine doesn't work. Um, and you have to figure out what is the minimum effective dose, because let's say that the minimum effective dose for making a sale is an hour and 20 minutes, mm-hmm. right? That, that, is, that is just how long people need to spend with someone before they feel comfortable. If you leave at an hour and 15 and you don't achieve the minimal effective dose, <laughs> then you've just wasted an hour and 15, yeah. right? If you've got a headache and you take half a paracetamol, and it's below the threshold of a minimal effective dose, Don't expect the headache to disappear. Um, If the minimum effective dose is 2-paracetamol, for your body size, then that's how much you've got to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with making a sale. So now with the experience that you've got, would you
0: try and bootstrap the business to start it? Or any company that you go in, would you go and raise the finance first, put the right team in place, then go at it? Or would you build a team along the way? Because I think the first one or two, you're doing it the first way I've described Yeah, you?
1: if you've got a brand and a reputation and, and, you can, and you've got a network and all that sort of stuff, I would say you start with an MVP, minimum viable product, um, to test whether your idea is is mm-hmm. valid. You build something and you pick up the phone and make some sales and you see, uh, like for example with ScoreApp, we knew we were gonna build technology and we knew the technology would scale, but we knew that technology would cost like half a million pounds to build. What I was doing in the early days is I would pick up the phone and talk to some potential c- customers and I'd get them to sign up for a 700 pound setup fee and 50 pounds a month uh, subscription. And then I, would go off and build the product on WordPress, or with my team, we'd build the product on WordPress at a cost of about six or seven grand. So they were getting, uh, they were affected. they didn't know it, but they were getting effectively a 5,000 pound discount. But what we were doing is we were proving that people would pay that setup fee and pay that subscription. Yeah. And we were just building, so we built like 10 of these things um, where we charged massively undercharged, but for the purpose of show showing that, that that would that would actually work, and that design uh, and that product would actually work. And then, as soon as we had that proof of concept, we could we could construct a financial model. That we modeled out the next three years, um, and then from there we then raised uh, some more some more capital. But because we'd uh, like kind of proved the model, it's very easy to justify like a three or four million pound valuation. Mm-hmm. Um, because we had we had a very detailed financial model, and we had proof of concept around uh, how much people would pay and, and all of that sort of stuff, so we could model that forward um, so that allowed me to i think I think in the end we raised about seven or eight hundred grand and it was an average of about five million six million value by mm-hmm. the time we 'd raised it
0: fantastic and that was the first round of
1: Finance. Yeah. And then we took 500, 600,000, built the product, mm-hmm. did a bit of scaling. Where we are today is about 200,000 a month of revenue and well over 100,000 a month of profit. And it just wow. ticks. It's just subscription. And it's scaling at 5 to 10% mm-hmm. per month.
0: I've got a piece here from one of your books. And it was a quote that I saw. And it says, unless we can let go of everything we currently think and do, we will fail to see the opportunities of tomorrow. So where did that come from? Did it come from an experience? Was it something
1: that you learned? So reason number one is that winning strategies become losing strategies. Mm -hmm. So your winning strategy when you're getting started is do everything yourself. And then at a certain point, your losing strategy is that you do everything yourself. Mm -hmm. Your winning strategy at the beginning might be, be a strong leader who gives everyone the answers and you tell people what you want from them. And then, you get a certain point in the team where that's the thing that is the bottleneck. Everyone's sitting around waiting for the boss to say what to do. Um, so it become, your winning strategies become losing strategies. Mm. You have to be willing to monkey branch from a winning strategy that, that was once a winning strategy. You need to let go of that branch and monkey branch onto the next winning strategy, which will often be opposite. The business is a pain in the ass because there's all these paradoxes and it changes. A really great leader who empowers their team to make decisions, often that's a great idea once you hit, say, 12 people. Mm-hmm but it's not a great idea in the first 12 people. Yeah, It's a trick to keep monkey branching to the w- next winning strategy. So that's part one is why I say that. Part two of why I say that is the world is changing so fast right now. Like for example, my very first business was built around newspaper ads. We ran quarter page ads. We were masters at filling rooms through quarter page ads. And now I talk to young people and they're like, what's a newspaper all about? Like, how does that work? How do people click the link? <laughs> well, we had 1-800, 0800 numbers. What's an 0800 number? You know, the world changes is pretty quick and what's happened 10 years ago is we had the social media revolution or 15 years ago we had the social media revolution where suddenly everything went from you know this physical world to this digital world and that was really the last 10-15 years was all about seizing the opportunity of social media but then what's happening now is we're we're very rapidly transitioning into this AI driven world. I would say that there's about a thousand days left tops of society as we know it. The world as we know it has about a thousand days left and that is because AI is so Radical and so transformative and, and it changes every business model on the planet. Mm-hmm. It's that moment in the Titanic movie where, they, where he says, oh, but it's a really big ship, it's unsinkable. And he goes, no, no, it's made of steel, it'll go down. It's a matter of time. Like we've got a few hours and then it will go down. Yeah. Um, and when I first like just saw AI, I went, oh, okay, well, that's it. Like, society, as we know, it's over. Mm -hmm. um, And it's just a matter of time. I I predict maybe a thousand days. I don't know what it looks like on the other side. I don't know whether it's positive, negative, or part positive, part negative. I know a few things are positive. AI will massively improve healthcare, and it'll massively improve education. Mm -hmm. Um, The bottom billion people in the planet are gonna have an uplift because of AI. So they'll have better education, better healthcare than they can dream, currently. Mm -hmm. um so there there are definitely positives but also there are many businesses that currently exist that will literally just be replaced if you're in law AI writes phenomenal legal contracts if you're in financial planning AI is a phenomenal power planner you know what people are currently willing to pay six grand seven grand for might be six or seven hundred pounds in a post AI world so then you've got the question of like oh okay so we only need two people not 15 and we're now in competition with people who are willing to do this for 500 quid. We've just started playing with it in our business and hadn't really looked into it too
0: much, but we've been putting in different types of courses that we want writing and it wrote a sales a whole sales training program for me that would have taken me 2 days to write in 5 minutes. Yeah. You know, 10 times better than I could have ever written it.
1: Well, it- I would say this. It tends to be if you're a chef, right? And you're like a you're like a chef. Yeah. Right? It's a good assistant chef mm-hmm. and it almost like creates the sponge cake. And your job is to just ice the cake with your style, right? So, you know, it's creating 80%, 85%, mm-hmm. and all of that would suck the life out of you creating all of that. But the, the, the way to approach it is to say, okay, well, how do I ice the cake in my unique Joseph style? Yeah. So, your sales training. There's going to be these little things you've picked up over the years mm-hmm. that are those magic moments, those little, those little tips, tricks, yeah. and also your style of delivery that make you unique. The AI is the is the sous chef who baked the sponge mm-hmm. and said, "Here you go, here's a sponge cake. Ice it the way you want to ice it." Yeah. Right. And you come along, put the icing on the cake, and now it's yours. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's better than what you would have done. Mm-hmm. I just think it's the first 85%, and that yeah. and that just that just lets you free up all that energy and creativity to do something special.